a secondary note, I guess, uh, we'll, uh, we'll do our uh, ever-exciting, always popular sabbatical update for, uh, for Mark. Uh, uh, reading through that uh, list of top ten things that you, uh, you typically do on a sabbatical, I came across uh, this one, fulfill a childhood dream. And so I'm like, I'm not sure what Mark's childhood dream would have been, but I started researching and I kind of started looking into it. And it turns out that I've tracked Mark down and he has joined the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. Here he is. <laughs> he is, uh, I never knew, I never knew he was so, uh, so, so into them, but uh, they, they've made space for him. But the guy in the middle is not sure about how this is going to go. You can just, he's not into it, but everybody else seems happy to be there. And of course, you all know their, their first big hit. What was it? Let's hear it. Yeah. You know, that seems like a good time to maybe talk about what we are and what we aren't going to share with Mark about what happened when he was gone. And, and <laughs> the fact that we were sampling Backstreet Boys during the sermon is maybe something we don't tell him. But uh, you, you do you. You do what you think is right. But uh, actually, that's the name of our message tonight. Let's hear it again. Thank you. You guys, you guys are great. I know who was listening, and it wasn't Zane, so uh, that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, so that's our message tonight. We're going to talk about this idea of why is it that, that my good intentions don't always result in, uh, in positive actions, and, and so often, as believers, we seem to want it both ways. We seem to want to spend time where we are purely committed to the Lord, and we seem to want to also reserve time where we kind of do things that are, that are just things we want to do, our, our kind of selfish things, the flesh we've been calling it kind of comes out, because it's, it's that conflict, that conflict that causes so much difficulty in our lives, and it's really where that feeling of condemnation comes from. I think we have put to bed the argument that God does not condemn us, period. But that doesn't mean we don't feel condemned from time to time. And so contrary to popular belief, uh, Christianity is not a performance-based organization. That is not the reason we have met here this morning as some sort of performative task where we can check it off a checklist. The concept of do the best you can and God will understand isn't the reason we're here. But yet for many of us, that's the world we kind of live in. And it's not about rules and regulations. Jesus didn't say... I came to give you more rules, more regulations, a more difficult path to meet me. He said the opposite. He said, I came to bring you life. And that's all we need to know from that. He came to bring us life, not to bring us rules, not to bring us more things to make connecting with God difficult. And so he says, when I came, I came to that you might have life. And that, that insinuates that without him, we don't. And so Jesus gave his life for us, but he didn't just give his life for us, for, for salvation, for forgiveness. He didn't just give his life for us on the cross. He's given his life to us. He's given the, the Christ-centered life to us, this, this simple idea that Holy Spirit lives in us and, and just inside of us grows a Christ-centered life, that his life is more than just a model for us. It is a part of who we are. And the Bible tells us that if you put your trust in Christ and accept him, as G and Jesus is your Savior, then it says Holy Spirit moves in. But we learned last week what we do with Holy Spirit's prompts, what we do with Holy Spirit's leading, still is very much up to us. And what we know, though, is that Holy Spirit brings with them the power and, 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 the, and, and the life that Christ wants us to have. And so as we kind of go through uh, to this week, we're going to kind of look on this idea that, again, we know it's not about rules, but what are the things that we can be doing to create a more... I'm going to say, a fertile world for the Holy Spirit to grow in. And that start might be as simple as a simple prayer. And we've talked about this. I can't, Lord, 
but you can. Because if there's one thing that every follower of Jesus has understood at least once in their life is that they can't do it on their own. That's a requirement of that salvation prayer that every believer would have prayed is that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And we talked about this idea of instead of just saying that once and then just leaving that behind, what if your whole life stays right at that point with an understanding that I can't, but he can. I need God in my life. It's a system that we simply have been calling the law of the spirit of life. And we took that from Romans. And we're not going to visit Romans at all today, which might be a shock to some of you. But walking according to the Spirit is choosing to live our lives in a moment-by-moment dependence on the prompting and the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's that idea of I can, and you, but you can't. Sorry, I can't, but you can. It's not just reserved for that moment of salvation. It is a lifelong decision that we make to daily come back to that point and admit our weakness and admit his greatness. So I think it's only fair to ask, though, if that's all true, I think it's fair to ask, well, where is Holy Spirit leading us? If we're going to walk with the Spirit, if we're going to walk step by step with the Spirit, where does he lead us? And that's where we're going to begin tonight, sorry, this morning, in the book of Galatians. And so if you want to look up Galatians 5 in your Bible while I'm just getting started here, you can do that. We're going to spend pretty much the entire time in Galatians 5. And of course, I say the book of Galatians. It's not really a book. It was a letter. Paul wrote this letter, same guy who wrote Romans, to a different audience, to a different set of people. But we're going to find it's a very similar message, just written in a little more kind of easy-to-understand format, if you will. And so he's writing this letter, and the key thing to remember here is that this letter is written not to the people of this place called Galatia. It is written to the churches in this place called Galatia. So uh, we obviously don't live there, but what we do know is as as Balmorians, Balmorites, whatever it is, we know that what he wrote to the Galatians can still apply to us. And it's easy to say it this way. It wasn't written to us, but it certainly was written for us. And so we're going to start there, and it's in Galatians 5.16. And we actually touched on this last week very briefly. We said this, and it says, uh, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Now, who's the I here? We just said, right, that's Paul. And who's he talking to? He's talking to believers. He's not talking to the unsaved. This is not a call to be saved. This is a call to the saved to do something else, to do something more. And it's to allow Holy Spirit to guide our lives. And what he's saying is this. He says, he's not saying here's two things to do. Let Holy Spirit guide your life and then go out and stop doing what your sinful nature uh, craves. That's not what it says. It's, it's cause and effect relationship. He said, if, if you're following the Holy Spirit, if, they, if Holy Spirit guides your life, then you're going to stop doing those sinful things. You're going to stop craving those, sin, those, uh, sorry, those sinful things in your lives. And you may think, well, what's the difference? And I would say this, it is a huge difference. It is a massive difference to simply say, I know I shouldn't do these things, rather than to say, Holy Spirit is going to lead me away from those things where I no longer crave those things. Because as long as you're living in the flesh, you know that you're not going to be perfect. We all admit that, right? We can't get it right every time without some help. And so instead of our goal being that, that we simply need to... I wonder, could I get a little bit light up here? Should I move? I can't see my notes. Should I move back a bit? You can turn the lights on. Oh, that's perfect. Thank you. I was just guessing what it says. Well, that was all wrong. Never mind. Forget that. No. <laughs> so, now, where was I? Oh, it's a big difference, right? It's a big difference. Because here's, here's the thing about us humans, and we know this about ourselves. We're very good at doing things we want to do. 
I, I counsel a lot of 17-year-old boys in my school, boys who have decided that their career path will take them through Xbox, not through uh, coming to school. I've never had to tell a kid, listen, what if you spent some more time on that PlayStation? What if you spent some more time? You're doing eight, 10 hours a day, that's good, but there are some kids who can do a lot more. Why don't you challenge yourself? I don't have to tell them to do that because they're already doing it. They want to do it, that's what they want to do. What I can't convince them is to come to school instead. And so we know that. We're good at doing what we want to do, but the flip side means we're often not very good at doing what we don't want to do. And that, that kind of becomes where the difficulty is. And, and it's true for all of us, I think. And you can, you, can, you can ask your kids, ask your wife, ask your friends, ask your people you work with. You can ask your pastor. I mean, leave me out of it. I'm just the guest speaker. But you can ask these people in your lives, and they'll say, yeah, I see that. Because it's, it's part of the human experience. It really is. But then we get to this verse, Galatians 5.27. And this is, this is such a rich verse. I couldn't decide what to highlight. And I ended up wanting to highlight the entire thing. So I just highlighted none of it. But it's, it, every word of it's key here. It says this in verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires. The spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. And I don't know about you. Can we just leave that up? I don't know about you, but when, when I look at that, that, that concept of being given the desires, I find that a little confusing. And I would often tell people, I remember sharing this with the youth group a few times, I just put it through the Psalm 37 test. The Psalm 37 verse 4 simply says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I will say this to you. You can kind of read that two ways, can't you? You can kind of read that where it simply says that if I delight in the Lord, he's going to give me whatever my heart desires. Whatever I want, I'm going to get it. If I want a Ferrari, I'm going to get a Ferrari. It's a little bit like Santa Claus, right? If I, if I ask for it, and if I've been good, he's going to have to get it for me. That's, that's, that's one way of reading that. The other way you can read that is to simply say that if I delight in the Lord, he will give me the actual desires that I want. He will change the desires in me. So in, in that world, you know, if, if the flesh says, I desire a Ferrari, the spirit might exchange that desire, maybe for generosity, maybe for contentment. It's going to change the desire that my heart has. And, if you're, and, and you know, before, before we kind of go any further, maybe I'll simply ask this. If you're not sure which one it is, can I just ask you this? Where's my Ferrari? Is it outside? Is it parked in the special guest speaker parking spot? Because I want one of those too. It's not, is it? Listen, it really comes down to this idea. There it is. <laughs> I could have let him off the hook, but it's Zane, and I just love messing with him. Zane, are we going to do the parking sign or No. Just go back a few minutes, and there was something. I said something about a parking space, and there's your joke for the parking space. Zane was saving it till the end, I think. But uh, by the way, if you volunteer to work in the booth, I only do this to Zane and sometimes CPEN. Everybody else, I will be very nice to you. But uh, it, it comes down to this idea of I want it that way, right? I want, I want things the way I want them. And really, it, it really comes down to kind of this idea of I want it both ways. I, I, want, I want to spend time in church loving God, but I also want that Ferrari, or I want those selfish things in my life, or I want that sin that I kind of can't seem to kick, but I'm not really sure if I want to kick it. I seem very comfortable with it. And so I kind of want it both ways. 
And that's why I feel this, often feel this, this level of conflict, this condemnation, because that's not how I was designed. We're, we're told through, throughout scripture this idea of, you know, you can only have one master. And when we try to have it both ways, we don't find contentment. What we find is conflict. But when we look at this verse in Galatians 5.17, we see that Paul's describing a person who's looking at temptation from the point of view of somebody who lives in the flesh, who walks in the flesh. And to me, I read this. Let's just read it again real quick. It says, um, you know, this is, this is somebody who, uh, who is not free to carry out his, good, his or her good intentions. And to me, that, that's, that's an admirable person because they have good intentions. This is somebody who's sitting, who people are sitting in church wanting to do the right thing, striving to please God, striving to live a life that God would be happy with. And to me, this is a guy who spends week after week coming to church, sitting in church. And when they're not at church, they're reading their Bible. They're trying to do things that connect them with God. And to me, this is a guy who's trying his absolute best to make it work. And for me, this is me. This is how I spent most of my adult life, striving, failing, feeling condemned, taking a step back, trying again. And that's not what we see. And that's not what we see in Galatians. We see something very different. You know, you want, you want to do what's right because you want to be faithful to God. And I, I have to believe that's true for everybody here. Why else are you here? It's a nice day out. Why are you here? I have to believe it's because you want to be faithful to God. You want to connect with God. You want to, you want to draw closer to God. It's an admirable thing. And it's an honest and it's a legitimate attempt to connect with him in a meaningful way. But you're still also working in the flesh in certain parts of our lives where, we, where, where sometimes we just where we accept that we do wrong things and we kind of just accept it as part of our lives. It's something that we're comfortable with. And if you think that approach to temptation in your life is working for you, I have to tell you, you're going to fail every time. And some of you are like, well, come on, not every time. I often get it right, and, and you are correct. You might even mostly get it right, but I need you to remember the standard we're called to. We're called to a standard of perfection. To be holy, to be like Christ requires perfection. So we're going to fail every time. And it kind of goes both ways. So we find ourselves caught between these two worlds. And there are times where we want nothing more than to live out that Christian life. And there's times where we seem quite content to live a life of the flesh. And again, that doesn't have to be bad. It's just things that are in our own strength. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. And so there, with, all, with, with this kind of conflict in our lives, generally, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You can't have it both ways. Take a look at the safety vest, for example. Well, which is it? It's got a bright, orange, vibrant, fluorescent top and camouflage on the bottom. Do you want me to see you or do you want to blend in? You can't, you can't have it both ways. Or how about do you have a grandparent who often describes their trip to school every day like this? And then somehow their trip home every day looks like this. You can't have it both ways. Or my dear friend, Sean Bean. Sean, you can't have it both ways. Your name is either Seen Bean or Sean Bond. You can't have it both ways. You just have to choose. I'm not going to tell him that. He seems, like a, he seems like an intense guy. It happens all the time in our lives too, though, right? Think about your finances. Think about your finances. You know that God calls you to be a careful and good steward with, your, with the resources he's given you, but you want a brand new car. Sorry, I forgot where I was. You want a brand new truck. Or, or think of it this way. You know, think about your relationships. God says, I want you to embrace forgiveness. Think about what God teaches about forgiveness. But you're hurt and you're angry and you choose to harbor resentment. You can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't, you can't have it both ways where you harbor resentment and, and, and yet you've forgiven. 
You can't go both ways. You, you can't be of two minds. You can't serve two masters. And it's day by day we need to choose that master. I, uh, I did a, many, of, many of us did a, a, a precept study with Jackie on Book of Romans. It took like a year, I think, uh, maybe longer than a year. Um, I did it with Jackie, and then Nate was my leader, I think, after that. But we did this study, and there's, I was looking through it you know, the past few weeks when we've been studying Romans, just kind of looking at the content, looking at what was in there. And I just have written in the margins after the verse that talks about serving two masters. And I don't know who said this. I really don't, because it was written in a different color ink, which means I wrote it when I was at the, at the study listening to people share. So I, I didn't write down who said it. But somebody said this. You have to choose your master, dot, 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 and then get on with it. I thought, that's, that's, that's genius, right? Because so often we choose our master, and then we second guess it, and then we change our master. And when I say that to you, some of you will bristle at that. You'll say, like, oh, no, Jesus is my, my master. I would never choose worldly things. But you have to think about, does your life demonstrate that? Do you always, can you always say that those desires have been put, you know, crucified, and, and I live a different life, a transformed life? And I think for most of us, and I'll say for me, you know, that process is not done. That, that that fleshly living in my life still plays way too much of a part in my life. And so as we kind of choose our master, we know that it becomes this dilemma. And we know as long as that dilemma is there, as long as we're trying to play it both ways, we're going to lose. We don't have that ability. And so I think the, I think the next question would be, what way? That Zane did very good. A little applause for Zane. You know, they, they say at school, you know, don't call out a kid because you might embarrass them. But you know what? Embarrassment is a powerful tool for the next time, for the next time. Zane's back there. He's speed reading. He's got his finger on the button. He's just waiting because he doesn't want me to call him out again. So there's a lesson in parenting that you probably don't want to take, but I like it. Uh, anyway, but, and I thank, I thank you, Backstreet Boys. I thank you for your question because I think the question then is, well, what is that way? If we're going to choose one way, if we're not going to serve two masters, if we're not going to be of two minds, if we're not going to try to have it both ways, well, what way is the way that we want to kind of pursue? And so if we, want, if we find ourselves wanting to do what's right, but often doing what's wrong, and that feeling of condemnation that follows, what is the better direction? I think Paul's telling us that there's a third option. I think we've talked about option one, which is when you walk in the flesh, you do things in your own strength, and you do things that are good. And that happens, of course, right? Most people get it right most of the time. But then there's walking the flesh where we're trying to do good, we're doing it in our own strength, but we end up not getting it right. We end up doing bad. And I think that's, that's the second part of that. But then Paul's saying there's an option three. And the option three simply says this. When you choose to walk in the spirit, you can only do good because you're choosing weakness and dependence and mercy and grace. You're choosing to take on attributes that God has placed for you instead of deciding to do it on your own. And so in the very next verse, it says this in Galatians 5.18, it says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are no longer under obligation of the law of Moses. Quick show of hands. When you're reading the New Testament, how often do you wish they'd stop talking about the law? It is, it is my biggest pet peeve. I dislike it. I dislike it, I do. Because every time, it kind of draws back to the Old Testament. And, and, and the key to this verse, and why I love this verse so much, is because it says the exact opposite. It says, you, if you are walking in the Spirit, if you are directed by the Spirit, then you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. All of that disappears. 
And so we know that the Old Testament law, like it's not hard to understand what it was all about. It's the, the word law is used over 500 times in the Old Testament. It is, a, it is the central theme of the Old Testament is law. But in the New Testament, I often feel like, why are they talking about the law again? Why are they talking about the law again? But it's so important to make sure that you can't understand the new system without understanding the system you've left. You have to see the difference between the two to understand that. And so what we're talking about is when you're walking according to the Spirit, it's all about this. It's all about simply acknowledging, I can't, but I know that He can. And so walking according to the Spirit says that when temptation comes, when temptation comes in my life, I choose a third option. I choose weakness, I choose dependence, I choose mercy, and I choose grace. And those first, first two words, we, we don't like those two words, weakness and dependence. We spend our whole lives trying to, to portray the exact opposite, right? No one wants to feel like they're not self-dependent. No one wants to admit dependence on someone else or something else. But that's what's required of us to follow Holy Spirit is to admit that we simply can't, but know that he can. And it's choosing humility over pride. And walking in the corner of the Spirit means you're no longer under the law. You're no longer tied to a religion. Instead, you're being led by Holy Spirit. God is influencing your life from the inside. And that's how we find ourselves as a Christian-centered life, as a Christ-centered life, or living a Christian life, is when we let go of that stuff that we're never supposed to be in charge of anyway and allow God and Holy Spirit to take the lead. And so Paul then walks us through two lists. And again, these are not a list of things. I can't stress this enough. These, I'm about to show you two lists. These are not a list of things that you should do and a, things, a list of things that you shouldn't do, but it's going to look like it is. It's going to be a whole list of things that we all agree we shouldn't do. It's going to be a whole list of things we all agree that we should do, but that's not what this is. This isn't a list for us to either embrace or reject, and we have to understand that, or else you're going to, I'm going to redo the last four weeks if you don't get this part, because it's absolutely key that this is not a checklist of things to be done, and it says this in Galatians 5, starting in verse 19. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the flesh nature, the results are very clear. Okay, this word results, this is where living in the flesh, walking in the flesh, this is where it will lead you. If you choose to live in the flesh, you're going to veer off in this direction. And these are the sort of things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and then the best part of all, the, and other sins like these. I'm so glad they put in that expression and other sins like this because, like these, because if we look at it as a list, if we just put up the list real quick, the font is tiny because there's so many things on there. And this is, again, this is, I think we can all agree, this is a list of things we don't want to be involved in. I think most of us, it's funny, not funny, I shouldn't say that at all. In the NIV, they include the word orgies in there. And I'm just like, who's reading this list and thinking to themselves, is this me? Am I, am I involved in this? But he says, this is where the flesh will take you in this direction. And it's easy for us to look at that list and say, well, that's, that's, that's mostly not me. I mean, maybe a little dissension, maybe a little envy from time to time, but, you know, that's mostly not me. And I think there's a real danger in that, and that's why I'm so thankful for the last five words. And sins like these, that's not five words, is it? Other, other sins like these, that's still four words. Other sins like these. What it means is, well, you know what? Let's, let's go to the, to the original Greek just for a second. We're not going to do the game today because I'm going to be honest with you. Today's Greek word has not been confirmed by the uh, concordance. Strong's Greek concordance has not put this in yet, so this is still a little bit of a, a theory of mine. But here's the exact phraseology that would use for the list on the left. It's all of us, you're crappiest. 
all of the crap in your life, that's where walking in the flesh takes you. Don't quote me on that. And don't, don't call up Strong's. I already did. They're thinking about it. It's, it's this idea that there's all this garbage in your life. The stuff that you... Remember we talked about that conflict, doing things we don't want to do, always being at conflict between the flesh. This is, this is all of that stuff. So you don't, have to, you don't have to study that list. I'm so glad we don't have to sit here and I don't have to walk you through that list. I'd turn all red. I'd be very embarrassed by, by explaining what some of those words actually meant. Don't even worry about it. What you need to know is that the crap in your life the stuff in your life. Can I say that? Don't tell Mark. Can I say that? I got, I got two people say yes, so that's now. That's, that's my main thing. There's these things in our lives, right, that we know we, we fight against we don't want. They're not part of that Christian life. And that's where walking in the flesh takes us. It takes us into this direction. It's kind of like Paul's, Paul's saying, like, listen, whatever your issue is, this is, this is where the, the, the walking in the flesh or the spirit will take you. And I love it. It means we don't have to go through that list. It's just simply, the, walking in the flesh simply means I'm going to do it my way and my strength, and it's going to take me wherever it takes me. It's gonna, I, I, the further I get from God, the more I veer off in that direction. And then Paul says, that's what the flesh looks like. He doesn't tell us to stop doing those things. This is not a command. He does not say, these are the things I want you to stop doing. Avoid these things. Stay away from people who do these things. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, this is where walking in the flesh will take you. He uses the word results. Of course, we know he follows that up with a very famous, well-known list that we often call the fruit of the spirits, and that's in Galatians 22 and 23. It says this, but the Holy Spirit produces. Again, the same concept here. The results of walking in the flesh take you this way. He says that the Holy Spirit produces. In other words, walking with Holy Spirit moves you in this direction. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it says, against these things, there, are no, there is no law. Well, there is no law against these things. These are the things that he's saying. These, this is where Holy Spirit will take you. And if you want to be free of the law, if you want to stop reading New Testament law references and rolling your eyes like I do, it's great. It says there's no law against this. You can leave that stuff in the past because that's not the path you're on anymore. And, of course, the, the, the idea when you're, when you're kind of on a path and you're, and you're kind of diverging in two different directions, at the beginning you're kind of still close together, right? And as you walk in the flesh or walk with the Spirit, you'll see your lives kind of diverge from those two things. And that's where just two or three verses before, remember, we talked about, you know, that, that Holy Spirit will change the desires of your heart. Let me just say that again without, without misquoting it here. Where are we? No, I'm on the wrong page now. I'm in a lot of trouble. Here we go. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. We know that. And the Spirit gives us desires. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. As you walk, when you walk in the flesh, you're heading in one direction. You're starting from the same point, but you're heading in one direction. As you walk in the Spirit, you start from that same point, but you head off in a different direction. And the further you walk with the Spirit, the further away the flesh becomes. And our lives are transformed, not in an instant, but our lives are transformed as we walk with the Spirit away from the things of the flesh. And so that list, that list becomes more and more ridiculous to us when we look at that list and think, like, how could I have ever lived like that? Give me about 30 minutes to find my page now because I'm really lost. Page five. Uh, we have a different version because my, my font is 16 and yours is 12 because you're young and I'm not. 
So I got a 16 font, and I needed extra light, if that tells you anything. Uh, page 8. I'm going to go with page 8 on the, on the large size font. Uh, so so that's, that's chart number 2. Have we put up chart number 2 yet? Yeah, yeah, so chart number 2. Again, not instructions, not telling you you need to do more of this. It's, there's no instruction here that says, listen, you need to be more, more joyful, even if it kills you. It doesn't, it's not saying that. It's saying, if you choose to walk with the Spirit, that direction you're heading are these things. And it doesn't come from added effort. You can't force yourself to do these things because that's walking in the flesh. That's the difficulty, right? Walking in the flesh is not just doing bad things. It's doing things in your own strength. It's denying God his place in your life and saying, I'm going to get it right. And to be honest, the fact that you're here probably means you get it right a lot. You probably get it right a lot. You've made a profession of faith. You're saved. You're here. You're, you're, you're part of a church community. But if it's, when it's walking in your own strength, it's taking you in a direction away from God. And that's where that tension, that's where that struggle comes from. And so what is it? What, and, and that's this idea that if you reject religion because it's all about us. And remember, our, our definition of religion was very much focused on the idea of it's our attempts to do something rather than God's, God has already done something. And we know this, we know a type of, we know a tree by its fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit that is produced by someone who is walking in the Spirit. Because Jesus didn't come just to give his life for us. He came to give his life to us. The Christ-centered life, the power and the direction required are already implanted in us. We have to choose to walk in that direction. And when we have a life that that we're regardless of our circumstances, when we live that life, we're regardless of what happens in our life, our response leads us in this direction. That's where the tension, that's where the feeling of condemnation just goes away because we know our place with God. We know that God loves us no matter what's going on in our lives. And we know that every day that we choose to walk with Holy Spirit, we're getting further and further away from those things that we talk about walking in the flesh. Galatians 5.24, just to finish this little section, it says, uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. It's another promise that that, that that walking in the flesh can be crucified just as Jesus was. You and I are free to choose this in our lives because if you are a believer, that Holy Spirit is, is, is living inside of you and it's directing you and it's, and it's empowering you, but you have to accept that. You have to do, you have to do your part to take your step, and walk with Holy Spirit. You must, sorry. Um, finally, just last verse of the section, Galatians 5.25. This is a little piece of encouragement from Paul. He's kind of done the instruction. He's done giving us the promise of what's going to happen. Now he's kind of explaining this. He simply says, since, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Our part, therefore, just becomes to keep in step with Spirit. I like the NIV version here. It just says, to keep in step with the Spirit. Walk step by step with the Spirit. It's not a promise that God will, re- it's not a promise from us to God that we're going to reject all the bad things in our lives and embrace all of the good thing in our lives. That is the natural result of our decision to walk with Holy Spirit. Because we started this with a simple understanding. We started this, your whole faith journey started with a simple understanding that you needed a Savior, that you couldn't but he can, and that's where we need to live our lives. And so if that's how we started, that's, that's where we need to finish. And we need to commit ourselves to this, not commit ourselves to the results. We don't measure ourselves by, by how good we are at following the rules and how good we are at rejecting the things that God rejects. We measure ourselves simply by knowing how closely are we walking with Holy Spirit and how far is Holy Spirit going to take us away from walking in the flesh. And it's simply saying this. Oh.
you've got to choose the that way. You can't have it both ways. You've got to choose the way you're going to follow. And I, if you're having trouble with that, if you can't decide, um, take a look at that list. Take a look at that list and go down list side A and go down the list side B and tell me that you're having trouble deciding which one you want. I can't believe that. I can't believe you would be here today think, thinking to yourself, I really want more of that left-hand column. How can I get more of that left? Because I'll tell you, the answer to the left-hand column is not coming to church. There's better ways to achieve the left-hand column than coming to church. It's, I assume our intentions would always pull us towards the right-hand column, but understanding that our intentions are not enough, that we need to be led and we need to be empowered by Holy Spirit. And so when we renew our minds with that simple claim of I can't and you can, we start to live a life that looks a little different. We stop, we stop blaming others for the things that are going on in our lives that we're unhappy about. We stop feeling condemned when things don't go our way and we feel like we failed. We stop feeling like a victim of our circumstances because we no longer veer to that left-hand side, that left-hand column. We're moving towards that right-hand column. The fruit of the Spirit becomes abundant in our lives. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I'm going to say this one more time, this, this, this key idea for today. Walking according to the Spirit. Walking according the Spirit means when temptation comes, when difficult times come, that we're going to choose a third option. We're going to choose weakness. We're going to choose dependence on Him. We're going to choose mercy. And we're going to choose grace. And we're going to talk about that a lot more next week. But uh, a, little, a little homework, if you will, for this week. And it's the same homework from a couple weeks ago. It has everything to do with prayer because it becomes so difficult for me to give you next steps when I want you to stop focusing on steps. But we are, next week, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about that idea of, of what dependence on him, what weakness in him means. But we're also going to look at kind of what are the things in our lives that we can, conditions in our lives that would result in fruit growing more, more abundantly. And so we're going to look at those things. But your homework would simply be this, to simply every time you pray, Every time you pray for anything, would you include something about following Holy Spirit's lead? Would you start to make that connection to Holy Spirit? Because we know that when we pray to God, that we want him to be closer in our lives, that we value Holy Spirit in our lives, we know that's going to happen. We know that's going to happen. We're going we're to hear about you know, the small prompting, the small voice of Holy Spirit next week. But we're, we understand that that's going to be something that we're given. That's a promise. That if we choose to walk with the Spirit, the Spirit's going to walk with us. And so would you add that to your prayer life, no matter what you're praying about? If you're praying about a certain situation, if you're praying before a meal, just, just add this idea. Slow down and just add this idea of choosing to walk with the Spirit. Because I believe that's the first, the first step, is choosing to walk with the Spirit and allowing Holy Spirit to make changes in our lives. And I think that comes from our earnest, our earnest asking, our earnest petitioning of God to say, this matters to me. And this is how I want to live my life. I want to follow the, the leading of Holy Spirit. I want to see the fruit of the Spirit abundant in my life instead of the fruit or the results of, of walking in the flesh. And so um, that's where we'll leave it for this week. I, I'm excited to kind of wrap up next week. We've got a lot to cover. Um, so come early and be prepared to stay quite late. But uh, we'll take care of that next week for sure. But uh, why don't we pray before we look at our discussion questions. Lord, just so thankful for, for your word, Lord. It's... Uh, you can, you can read the same thing over and over again, and then years later you read it like it's new. you've never read it before. And Lord, the truth, the truth of, your, of, of your teaching, the truth of what Paul tells us in Romans and Galatians can have such a massive effect on our lives. That we know that that tension we feel, that discomfort we feel when we feel like we're not making the grade, that we're not doing good enough for you, Lord. We know that that's not, that's not even the goal. The goal is not to do good enough for you, Lord. The Lord is to allow you to lead us to a place where the, the acts of the flesh seem so far in our, distant, in our distant memory, Lord, because we were pursuing 
the fruit. We are pursuing fruit of where Holy Spirit takes us, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and, and uh, self-control, Lord. Would, would that be our prayer this week? Would that be our prayer every week, Lord, that we would, we would listen, we would follow, we would walk step by step with Holy Spirit, that we might become spirit-filled people and we might the fruit might be revealed in our lives in such a meaningful way that our whole life changed. We'll just see our lives transform where the desires of the flesh become something we don't even desire anymore, Lord, because we're so focused on the desires that the Spirit leads us to. Just pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm still doing these things. I don't know if you're doing them, but I'm still doing these questions. Uh, we're uh, just walking through them again. It's summer. Three, three seems like enough. And the first one you already know, but uh, just two thoughts here. And again, if you're talking to just one other person, thinking about it on your own, or if you're actually meeting with a small group, any way it works, but just to spend some time thinking about it, uh, you know, can you share a time when you were of two minds about a decision, a time when you wanted it both ways? And this doesn't need to be a deeply spiritual answer to a question. It can be very, very concrete. But just that idea where you were just... You wanted it both ways. You just could not decide between the two. And uh, question three simply asks, what are some practical ways that you can choose to be dependent on God? We're going to really dig into that next week, but I'd, I'd almost like you to get some pre-thinking done. If, I don't think that's a thing, pre-thinking, but if you could, get some, you could spend some time on that idea. I, I, I struggle with that answer. I can't, I can't quite decide if that's, that answer has like 30 different answers or it has one different answer. I guess it depends how you look at it. But what are some practical things that you could do to choose to be dependent on God? Because that, that word dependent, it kind of grates for some people. Uh, you know, kinda, it kind of feels... I don't like that. I don't like the idea of weakness and dependence. And, and what would it look like, though? What would it look like to give the God of all the universe uh, autonomy in your life to, uh, for you to say, I'm going to follow after the things that he cares about rather than the things that I care about? So don't forget to pick up your kids. Uh, somebody has to, and I'm not taking them home. So uh, don't forget to pick up your kids, and we're excited to see you again next week. <laughs>